Join me as I talk with people who express their creativity in ways that can inspire the rest of us to recognize our own creativity. And if you enjoy these conversations, please like, subscribe, and share them. Welcome to Creativity Conversations, and today I have the distinct pleasure of speaking with Christina Coggins. Chris, hi, welcome. Thank you for having me on the show, Nina. If you haven't been on these calls before, or if you have, I'll just remind you that what we do is we talk to people who understand the nature of creativity, they embody it, and they share it with other people. Although they might not call it creativity, but it's kind of a way of life. What we'll be doing with Chris is talking a little bit about her background, her book, her experience, and I guess they call these free-range interviews. I like it. Free-ranging. Let's <laughs> right? go. I will start with just a little smidge of Chris's bio. Chris, among other things, is a coach and creativity consultant. She's enjoyed a wide-ranging experience of life through her various roles as professional actress, audiobook narrator and producer, writer, performer, and artist who works with many different mediums, especially oil painting. As a coach, Christina works with those who've gone through a difficult divorce. Based on her own experience, Christina developed a process that allows others to recognize and honor their own creativity so that their energy and confidence returns full force. Her recently published book, Creative Awakening, is based on her observations of how people heal, transform, and become empowered when they begin to create again. So I think we have a lot to talk about. Let's go. Chris, this is your book, Creative Awakening. Hello, little friend. And when did you get this published? Just last couple of months. That is yep. so exciting. Congratulations. There's so many things I want to ask you about, not only this book, but about your own experience. And I'll just share how Chris and I met. My husband bought her book and it came in the mail through Amazon. And I thought it was something I had had ordered and just forgotten about. So I opened the package. I said, oh, another book on creativity. So I took it up into my studio and been reading it ever since. I don't know if Gary has even seen it yet. <laughs> But then you appeared on uh, Gary's Song Share event, which he and an earlier guest that I had on the show, Ashley Bathgate, put together, which is a format where we just come together and we sing for each other and to each other, just a cappella most of the time. And we have a delightful time. So nice. Chris and I actually got to see each other in person, but I still haven't given the book back to Gary. And <laughs> that was so fun, that Song Share. Growing up, you know, not regular singers, they're just show up and do things that scare them. And yeah. quite frankly, I like it. I like it when we all just become so pure, when we're all scared and we do it anyway. And we do it anyway, and everybody loves it. So you have a quote in here about your book, which says, part of the foreword, that you hold in your hands, referring to the book, not you, Chris, one of the bravest, most alive books on creativity. Every page shimmers with Chris's extraordinary natural gift to create freely and generously while leading others to do the same. What's different about this book is where others theorize Christina lives. She embodies the fullness of expression we all crave. Trust her to help you get out of your own way and let life flow through your hands, your eyes, your heart, and out into the world. That's the foreword from my dear friend uh, Jennifer Loudon, who uh, just wrote Why Bother? And uh, she started with a series of women's comfort books and has written nine books. And I was just so honored that she wrote the foreword. Oh, it's lovely. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience? It's, if I understand correctly, 
going through your divorce was a very pivotal experience for you. And I'd love to know how your creative process emerged out of that. Well, I would like to say that I have always been creative, one of those little creative weirdos who have to do it to live. When I went through my divorce after 31 years of marriage, well, my heart was roadkill. <laughs> and But I developed a process that I feel, when I look back, feel proud of. We found a way to converse about the experience with each other that didn't blame or jut after the beginning. <laughs> but we really did. We really, we met in parks, you know, three or four times. And we found a way to really converse with each other about what happened. And shortly after that, I was led to go to coaching school and immediately started working with clients in divorce. I noticed that after the shock and the grief and the pain, they started to, people started to kind of come alive again. They started to be curious about their lives and they started to question, well, I've always wanted to do this, but never could in the container of that marriage. And there were, seemed to be about three different typical things people would say once they started kind of coming alive and recognizing their own curiosities. And, and they wanted to either travel or date or do that thing. That one thing that's been in the back of their minds for a really long time, but for some reason they put it on hold. And I noticed that my clients that started to do that thing that then usually turns into a whole lot of things. You never know what, where you're going to go once you start. They're the ones that had more confidence, were more alive. And in some ways, I feel like being broken open, you know, when you're in pain, it makes you more available to yourself. So it's an interesting gift, isn't it? Although wrapped in maybe... Roadkill pain. <laughs> <laughs> Not the prettiest gift wrapping. That's right. It ain't pretty. Right. So anyway, as I started working then with my clients in creativity, you know, just kind of guiding them. And I, what started to come out for me, and I call them red balloons in my book, and I just started to have all these ideas about what were the mi mindsets of creativity that really helped. Noticing that we all share as creatives or people, those inner voices, you know, of self-doubt and deprecation and, you know, obstruction that stops you from doing, I, I call it in the book, the impeccable artist. And they're always nagging, what do you mean you're doing that thing? What, that's not going to make any money. That just goes on and on. And no wonder it's hard to create and develop a routine. No wonder. So I kind of try to call out those voices of destruction I had, did with my clients and it really helped to laugh about it because we all share it. We all share. It. It's never going to go away. We just have to find a way to deal with it. You know what's funny is that as you're saying this, that kind of, you know, negative self-talk, whatever label we give it, we take it so seriously. And we think that, I know this has happened to me too, when I first started really seriously jumping into doing lots of creative things, is that we think that the negative thoughts in our head when we do something creative are different from the negative thinking that happens in the rest of our lives. Not. You know, I'm sure sports, yoga, all are avenues to get over your fears. I'm sure. But creativity is also an avenue to really take you into your own healing, into your own expression, into your own agency. I just picked that one. <laughs> Well, you said something, and I don't know if I wrote it down, but you said something about, uh, I got it, creativity in the zone is like a gateway drug for important empowerment and wholeness. Like, say more about that. Because uh. <laughs> I already want some. 
more. <laughs> we all want more. Once we once we start, we can't go back. There's no going back. Ooh, so true. I'm going to use the analogy of meditation. We all know that once we when we start meditating, you know, we're gone, got the voices, and sometimes we can touch that moment of uh, stillness and quietness and kind of feel like we're in touch with the land of possibility. And as we became, become more in anything, meditation, sports, or creativity, we, we find ways to outsmart the voices or work together with them. It depends on who you are. I mean, somebody, some people just have to go, fuck you. <laughs> Others go, okay, I'll tell you what, you can, you can sign my name and I know you're going to be there, but I'm driving. I'm driving. I'm going to just make that backseat, be in the backseat. Exactly. You can't touch the wheel. You can't touch the dials or nothing. I know you're going to be there. And every time we get over another hurdle and do things that scare us, which creativity will absolutely insist upon we grow we get bigger we get more powerful we have more confidence and finally you know you start to kind of love the dopamine bring it on okay i'll go i've never done a podcast before but today's my day of my first podcast <laughs> i've got other series co coming up but you're my first yeah. i hope we're having fun oh you're so having fun I call them confidence surge days. So you're scared to death. There's a threshold that you've never done before. It'd be so much easier to do things that you already know how to do. That's why we stay safe, but it never brings us anything. It never turns us into who we're supposed to be. Who are we supposed to be? Gosh, everything we're not. <laughs> no? <laughs> how about saying a little bit more about that? Who are we supposed to be? I just keep getting this image of all of the layers that our society, our culture, our family of origin create, have created, creates all those barriers to really listening to what we need, to our curiosities, to our need to express. We all have it. And in a way, I think it's the dropping of all those. We're already whole. And it's the dropping of what do we need to drop? You and I talked before about developing an attitude almost of rebellion. I am not going to let the culture, my family, whatever, take away from my need to create, whether it be making bread or a, making a garden behind the shed. We're all meant to do it. My, one of my mentor coaches said, and I think he's gotten this in one of his books that we are the we are the infinite creative potential of the universe. Deal with it, <laughs> right? So the more we drop those obstacles, the the fear, the being a perfectionist or being too impeccable, putting aside the idea that what we do is supposed to be productive and right the first time, and all the things that have nothing to do with that potential inside of us. We start seeing more. There's a bigger horizon. The horizon gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And we think, oh, maybe I could do that. 
maybe I could. I wonder what would happen. And each time we do something that we don't know, that was scary, da da, then we get we get broader. I don't know those neurons fire and wire, and we start going. Well, if I could do that, what else? What else? What else? Yeah. I mean, it just it just seems to be the nature of it. It really does. And so here's a question for you: Where does that desire, whether it's to do that one thing or just something different, for God's sake? Where does that come from? I think it's the source within us getting through. I think that's a lot of what curiosity and desire is. It's just that life force that says, I want to live. I want to express. You know, in the spiritual traditions, uh, particularly in the Eastern traditions, they talk about how our the fundamental ground of being, our, our true nature, our uh, awareness, that ground of being, needs us to express so that awareness can and that beingness can know itself. Oh, I love that. Isn't that interesting? I just thought of that now and how beingness can know itself. I love that. Now, I don't know if it's quote unquote true or not, but it certainly explains a lot about why we say, hmm, what if I, I wonder if what wants to come through right now? What is it knocking on my door? <laughs> yeah, you bring tears to my eyes. What is it that wants to come through now? Yeah. I think it's something deep within us, and it's just removing the layers of everything we're not. Because we're all meant to create, you know, in whatever. It doesn't have to be a painting or a... We're all meant to do. During the coronavirus, I felt isolated. And one of the things that I did was... I would make cards for my friends. And when I was doing it, just painting something dumb or scribbling something, or you know, trying to do calligraphy on a card, making bunches of mistakes, but I just felt so much love because I, while I was doing that thing, I was just feeling so much appreciation for the fact that I couldn't see them at this time and I missed them. And God, that was a really healing thing. You know? <laughs> and they so appreciated it. Not from Hallmark? <laughs> Coming from the mail? <laughs> <laughs> that leads me to ask you some more questions about the process that you developed for yourself and the clients that you've worked with to encourage that creative expression. Well, it starts with paying attention, like everything, to the niggle. The niggle, you know that thing? Oh, yes. Oh, I just want to work with clay. I don't know why, but I just do the niggle, whatever it is. And then, you know, sorry, like everything, you got to make a little schedule for it. And it's dangerous territory, that discipline word, because like for me, who was a little bit of a rebel, that that's not a good word. That's so schooly. So once I started feeling this sense of almost a declaration, I declare I'm going to give my two hours today. Or if I only have an hour, what can I do in an hour towards my project or towards my curiosity or whatever? You just have to. You have to create a space for it. And that's, I mean, in my book, I do try to help you design a space inside your mind that's safe and good and a place you want to be. That way you can do it anywhere. You can do it in the coffee shop. You can do it, you know, in a park. You can do it wherever. So you got to do that and you got to set boundaries with your people. This is important to me. And also in the book, I do 
kind of try to devise a way to speak to your people and, and ask for what you need. So to do that, you got to have a sense of deserving. So where do you find that sense of deserving in your mind? I deserve to express myself. Where do you find it? Especially, I'm thinking about your work with people who've gone through divorce, where they're probably feeling pretty emotionally beat up and maybe a little self-doubt and not sure if they can actually get up in the morning. Yeah. yeah what's, why bother? <laughs> really? Why bother? What it, yes. I think for me, and I've noticed this works, is to kind of get a little mad. This is where anger kind of helps. You know, it's that sort of rebellious revolt against what's, what has been holding you back, what is now. And in energy work, a little anger, while it's very catabolic to your body, it can actually get you going. So that's one way that I find is where they say, you know what? So what? This isn't going to make me any money that I know of, but I'm going to do it because it makes me feel good because to be in the zone to be in that out of my beta mind, I better do the laundry. To be in the alpha or the theta state where you are just creating, that is healing. I mean, you're healing. You can heal trauma. I tell a story in the book about a woman who had taken care of her husband for so many years with Alzheimer's and he had just passed away. And everybody said, you should join a support group for grieving. She says, no. She just sat there and colored in coloring books for six months. She says, that's how I healed myself. Mm -hmm. And you know, later she actually started to design coloring books and sell them. So she healed her tra the trauma of that, you know, the trauma of a caregiver by just sitting and being still. It makes me tear up to just think about that story. It was really inspiring. And she knew she was healing herself. You know, she said, I didn't think about anything the alpha state. I didn't tell myself I had to go do my list, becoming a list ninja. I just gave myself lots of hours to just sit and be still. That is a fabulous story. I love it. There's, It's so rich, that story. A couple things come to mind as a result. One is that she acted on what we all have, which is this inner you call it inner wisdom, inner knowing, that gut sense, that something in us that is capable of taking care of us. Whether you say that that's what comes from our essential nature or whether you attribute it to something else, it doesn't really matter. But the fact is that we, we have it. We have access to it. And following that voice. Yeah, the niggle, that just bubble. And I think it's life force. I just think it's, you know, it's just life force. And here was all these people saying, you really need to go to a grief group, mom, or you need to do, no, she's just in a color. <laughs> she didn't care what anybody thought about how silly it was that she's buying these dorky coloring books that made her heal. Yeah. And it can come from the simplest things, right? It doesn't have to be some elaborate therapy process or no. lots and lots of practices or techniques. But that, that what you're saying about being still and letting all of it just move through us, wash through us. Yeah. Well, you know, Nina, you know what, what sort of coming up as a thread in our conversation today is this idea of, 
of accepting that it's already there. We're not broken. Okay, yeah, we've been battered around a little, but there's something really powerful inside. And the more we listen, the bigger it gets. Yeah. Say more about that. How do you know that? Oh, <laughs> it's a story. Uh, well, not only from myself, but, you know, like daring to write a book. I never thought I was going to write a book. I didn't want to. Who wants to sit around and drink coffee in your pajamas all day? The people that have been living through the pandemic for the last <laughs> Right, like all of us have. Now we know. <laughs> uh, I didn't want to do it, but it just started happening. You know, it just started these ideas. I call them red balloons. They just started coming down and finally I'm like all right already i'm gonna okay or you know literally it was like that okay but all, how i know because the question <laughs> is such a funny story I, I was teaching really young kids in theater or improv or you know doing an after school program when i was a mom and someone said will you teach these kids and i didn't know what but i came up with this idea of an inner wizard and you know they're bored at first and they hear this idea of an inner wizard that we all have inside of us and it just keeps getting bigger and more powerful the more we listen those little stinkers paid attention you know and then later <laughs> i was working with teenagers who were bored out of their minds with me at first i didn't know how to talk to them either damned if i didn't bring up that idea of an inner wizard like an inner genius suddenly I had them in the palm of my hand. Is that funny? We're all so innocent, really. Those kind of images. But they're so, they do evoke something very, I was going to say primal, but I think it's a recognition, don't you? Some yeah. kind of a recognition. Oh yeah, I, I do have that. What if we all had this inner genius inside of us? Right, we do. That's what I'd say. What if? I think you too. <laughs> and what if the more we go down that path of listening to our curiosities and following our longings and setting up some boundaries for having a little, I call it chamber time, <laughs> my chamber time. What, what if the more we do it, the bigger it gets and the more powerful we feel? Because there's a lot of obstacles in creativity as well. You know, at what, well, my God, the idea of things have to be perfect in order to be good. That is a really bad idea. We really have to blow out the, because you never know what's going to come out of a big bunch of messes and mistakes. And as you know, as a collage artist, you probably paint something that doesn't really work, but cut up and put it in something else is extraordinary. Okay. So perfectionism. So fear of shining, like, well, what will people think? It's always, usually, all of the obstructions are about what will people think, ultimately. Really, when you go through all of the things that hold people from sharing, here's my offering to the world or to other people, it usually is, I'm not good enough to them. So when you kind of break it all down and you realize, so I'm holding myself back because of some imaginary thought I have about what you think, that's kind of, that's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know that you think that, you know, and you do, and you will get criticized. Well, good. You'll find your tribe. That's the cool part about now is that we will find our tribe because of this, of how we can communicate through social media and all kinds of formats. We'll find our tribe, those that are with whom our work resonates. That's a kind of cool time to be alive. I agree with you. In spite of all of the trauma that has been going on and been building over the last several years, there is, when you turn your gaze away from that, not to deny it, 
or to ignore it, but to turn away and from it and say, what else? What else is possible? What else? What is my inner genius saying to me today? That so many other things are possible. And to be, I was thinking the other day, well, could you distill down the answer to everything? And maybe it's don't give up no matter what you hear in your head or what other people tell you. But I remember taking a collage workshop from someone many years ago, and I, I remember I was working on something, and I asked the instructor for some assistance. I said, you know, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like there's enough or that it's quite where I want it to be. She looked at it for a minute, and she said, well, you know, if you do a 100 of them, you'll probably get two or three. And my jaw went all the way down to the table. <laughs> what? But then I've, over the years, I've seen the wisdom of that and how, how so many times, especially in the beginning when I was working on something, I would give up on it. And I'd say, eh, that's terrible. Rather than working through it, you know, tearing it up, painting it over, covering it over, doing something else to it, incorporating it in something else. But that being enough of a rebel, as you say, to say, oh, yeah, screw you. <laughs> I'll show you. Well, you know, my mentor, Dorothy Cannon, who's passed, but she created a, an environment where women came to her house and she just nourished their souls, our souls. She is who I wrote the book for, really, and I have a great story about her. And she would never say, oh, that's good, that's bad. She would not allow herself to be the voice of right or wrong. She was like, just do another one. Or what else are you curious about? Because she had pottery and she had drawing and she had painting and she, there was just a gazillion things to do at her house. And it was just the marvelous was that you kept going. You just kept going and followed that curiosity. She'd always say, what are you curious about doing today? Yeah. So there's curiosity, there's noticing, there's questioning, right? And what else is part of the process that you've discovered and you've been sharing with people? When you are in a project, there are times that because you are in an unknown place, that just the brain wants to go to what's known, like Googling Africa or doing picking up your laundry, just because we all want to be safe. And there, it's hard to go to the blank page or the screen, especially when you're really trying to be devoted to it. And I call it the threshold. And if, <laughs> and I just have myself included and my clients just allowed for five to 10 minutes to get this butt in the seat. And it's gonna feel awkward. And to be willing to experience the discomfort of the unknown and the uncertainty. Will I be able to say my words right? Will I be able to get that same color that I got yesterday? Whatever it is. It is willing to, willing to face uncertainty and just withstand the discomfort and laugh about it. Once you get in the seat and you start, okay, oh yeah, oh yeah, I, that's fun. Oh, I got, I remember, oh, this, oh, that character, whatever. Once you start, you can look back at that uncertainty and go, ha, I got this. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Ooh, stick your tongue, and, you know, point your nose to it. So, yeah, the threshold of getting in the seat. Every writer in the world say, All that matters is that you sit down. Um, put your butt in the seat. Put your butt in the seat. 
Stephen Pressfield writes a lot about creativity. And while he's very masculine and directive and warlike, I really like that he says, which is at the end of every day, I, I don't really care how many words I've written or whether I've even done a good job with the character or the storyline. What matters is did I conquer, he's very masculine, testosterone, conquer the voices that were trying to tear me down and stop me. That's hot. I like that. Yeah. That works for me too. That's the warrioress <laughs> in you. <laughs> well, it wouldn't, it wouldn't for everybody, but for me that just kind of, oh yeah. So yeah, it's like being a warrior. So you're bringing up something interesting, which is fear of the unknown. And I have been turning this idea over for a while now because I think that it's not really fear of the unknown because we don't know what that is, but it's fear of an imagined future that we start saying, oh boy, this isn't going to turn out right or it's going to be a negative result no matter what I do. But the unknown itself is just full, as we were talking about, full of possibility, full yeah. of cool yeah. stuff. Re interesting, Nina. We're also, remember when we were talking about, you know, what a fear of what people are thinking about you, some of the biggest obstructions in the world, those are imagined too. Yep. Yeah. How much do we live in our imaginations in a way that keeps us from expressing that inner genius, that inner wizard? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it's like a double-edged side of the sword. Yeah. Imagination is used for good. And the other side is used to just tear you, tear you down. Yeah. Cut your head off. Yeah. So interesting how we, we make up excuses. We make up all sorts of things. Just, you know, I think some of that is, a lot of it is our conditioning, whether it's from our family or school or government or social media, whatever it is. For people who don't pay any attention to that, they're free. Yeah. Yeah. We got to get free. Yeah. I get, I get this why I keep saying you got to start with a revolt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, healthy revolt. <laughs> no, not listening. Yeah, and that sense of deserving to ask your family and even your friends, no, I can't go to lunch with you today because I've got some, I've got some kind of big uh, creative plans for myself. You know, interestingly enough, the more you set boundaries with your friends or your family or whatever, you might even give them permission to do their own. Yeah. I worked with a client who, you know, I just, sh her, she had, children. She had a husband. Uh, she was struggling to write her novel and she just couldn't find a time to do it. And we worked through a, a, a negotiation, a discussion, a expression to both her children and her husband. Well, they found a time to do it after dinner. And she, while she was writing, suddenly the kids started doing their own things at the, t at the table. And the husband started going in the workshop and and doing his woodwork and it was kind of like they created it as a family it sounds like leave it to beaver in creative land but it really it really happened what a great story <laughs> but it started with her saying i deserve this i'm going to make time for it and i'll do it whether it be, I've got to make time for it. Well, look at what she gave her children and honoring of their own expression and her husband. And they were, they really liked it. The husband negotiated. If I give you this time, I would like to have more intimacy. Well, because she felt good about herself. She was expressing herself 
and she felt honored by him, okay, their sex life got better because there was a quid pro quo. You know, you talk about honoring yourself and it reminds me of the quote, which I hope I don't mash up, by William Blake, better to strangle an infant in its cradle than nurse unacted desires. It's pretty dramatic. I mean, nobody's going to be strangling any infants here, but... <laughs> It has that kind of a consequence, right? All that kind of stuffing things down that it doesn't go unnoticed in our psyche. Yeah, yeah. Or And interestingly, now my kids used to come home from school and they'd look at, look at my face. And if I'd been doing all my list ninja stuff, um, you know, that, that was one day. But the days that I painted while they were at school, I heard them say, I can tell you painted today, Mom. Oh, I was happier. I was soft more generous with them. Why does creativity do that to us? I think it's part of that freedom. We grant freedom. This is my theory anyway. So what do you think? I think that as we grant ourselves freedom, just as you were saying, we give others permission to grant themselves freedom. Yeah, yeah. So true. If we are the infinite creative potential of the universe, how could we ever ask that question, do we really deserve to do whatever it is we want to do? Exactly, exactly. But I think a lot of it is cultural and familial and the routines that some people have have created, their routines. And once you honor yourself, you might be having to step out of that routine. You might be having to create some new open walls. And so you got to ask for, your, for support. I came across a new word this week, at least new to me. It, and it's possibilitarian. Ooh, ooh. Cool, right? And apparently the origin was from a book by, of all people, Norman Vincent Peale called The Power of Positive Thinking. Now, I, I never read it, but I love the word. And it goes very nicely with another word that I've adopted called a multipotentialite, which ooh. is someone who has many capacities, many talents, many skills, and they're not always welcomed in society, although now it's starting to shift. But people who would be trained as a chef, and then in a year or two, they are done with it, and they become a lawyer, and then they do that for a while, and then they're done with that, and then they become a yoga instructor, or whatever it is they keep doing. It's been traditionally thought of as those people are quitters. They don't know how to stay with something. They're feeling taunts. Right. But in fact, they're getting exactly what they need through that process of discovery, so huh. they're done. So the way they're seeing it is they're fulfilling a quest in that particular genre, in that particular mode, and then they go to the next thing that captures their attention. But the way the world sees it is completely yeah. different. But if we see well, ourselves as possibilitarians and multipotentialites, how I cool is it. that, right? What well, kind of a life could we live? Was it William Blake that said, do I contradict myself? Okay, I contradict myself. I am large. I contain multitudes. I think that might have been Walt Whitman, but it's okay, the same sentiment. Go. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Yes. I love that. I love that word, possibilitarian. Yeah. It's very, it just makes you feel like, oh, really? I could? I will. Yeah. My, the little name I have for my business is New Possible. Yes. <laughs> What's possible now? Hmm. Right. I have a friend who was on this interview series and she, on her CV, her tagline was, what else is possible? Nice. Yeah. yeah. And if you're asking yourself that, instead of always focusing on the problem and why we can't do this, why I can't put 
pen to paper or the paintbrush to the canvas or the chocolate in the dessert, you know, where are we going to end up? <laughs> Bitter, crusty, Bitter. followers. Yeah. Leading lives of quiet desperation. Yep. I love being a part of your tribe, Nina. I love having these conversations. Me too. About possibility and creativity just as a doorway. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. Can you talk more about getting into the zone? Yeah. Not that we haven't been talking about that. When I talk about the zone, I'm talking about that place you go that's not in the beta mind, in the brain wave. I mean, you can actually measure it. It's measurable. So when you can get in the alpha, it's the place of possibility. It is the place of creativity. And it requires not thinking linearly. It requires being connected to the body, connected to your energy. It's, I have a little meditation that I give to some people when they're just starting out to get into the zone and it's free on my website. You know, you can sign up for, to get it. And, but I think once you start, you pretty much, your body loves to be there so much that you'll get right on. You pick up one of your tools and shortly after the threshold, you'll start because you love it. You, you can't go back once you start. Yeah, so that's all I have to say about it. There are many ways to get into it. Some people go take a little walk before they begin. Some people dance. You know, some people, uh, I often doodle a little bit, you know, just mm -hmm. scribble a bunch of stuff. And pretty soon I just kind of, okay, I'm ready to write. Because after a while, you don't need a meditation. At first, you might. You might need a little help getting out of the mind, which might be telling you, that's not good. You know, this is a waste of your time. Yeah. Okay, she, your husband's not going to like this, you know. <laughs> Whatever. Or your cat or your dog might not yeah, like it. Right. This is just making a mess. You know, whatever those voices. They, they're so They're so snide. <laughs> Tell me about what you think of, because you just mentioned it, being being more aware of or somehow engaging in, having your body engaged in the process. Uh, I had a gal on recently, an artist who, whenever she's teaching or when actually whenever she's working herself, she becomes very aware of her body. How, where are her shoulders? You know, are they up around her ears? You know, where are they? Just making that effort to put her feet, notice her feet on the floor, yes. sitting or standing, what it feels like, what the air feels like. So she's taking her attention off of what might be going on in the monkey mind. Uh, yeah and coming more home to the body. Right. And how, right. for her, how important that is. Absolutely. I mean, our body guide us so much you know it's the source of in of our energetic expression this is not this is not so once you learn to disengage from this life is just really nice <laughs> you, can't you cannot go back but what and happens when you fall back when you get triggered by something yeah like you go on vacation or something or or you something happens some you get into an argument with someone or something triggers some feelings of insecurity or defensiveness or you name it and you kind of forget that place of oh right I don't need to be analyzing this how do you work your way back is it a work or is it a just a dropping or a oh right a noticing what is it for you once you start doing creativity in whatever way it is that's the place where you know come as you are mm -hmm. 
you're human. Come as you are. We take the muses take you however you are. <laughs> Is this sort of like an arranged marriage? Yeah, it's a good one. A really, really good one. <laughs> come as you are. Uh, yeah, come, come weary. Come scattered. Because once you start writing or or creating or dancing or whatever it is you do, you drop out, you drop it naturally. I think at least it's been true for me. It's the best place to go when I'm sad, the best place to go. Which is why I think, you know, they used to in um, rehab houses, psychological rehab houses, I'm not using the right language. Help me find the word if you can get it. But they used to do art therapy and they still do. Why do you think they do art therapy? Because art helps us express ourselves in ways that words do not. I'm not saying if you're a writer, but if you do intuitive writing or doodle writing, it is the it is the body expressing itself in ways that words, our words, cannot to heal. Oh, that's and so lovely. What hit What hit you, lovely? Well, the first thing that came to mind was flow is not only a process, but it's a state of being. So that if we're, and this is to me the same thing that happens when you're in that world of uh, energy medicine, energy healing, that it's all about flow. And it's all about recognizing where we are not in flow and allowing it to become unstuck. And it seems to me that's the same thing with our thinking the same thing with what happens to us in life mm-hmm. yeah i'm thinking about i'm thinking about the for instance meditation where where you do it long enough and all of a sudden you think oh i'm not as reactive as i once was i'm not as angry what maybe the meditation thing kind of helps <laughs> <laughs> my amygdala is shrinking or growing or whatever it is it does <laughs> right? i think the same is true with creativity and the flow. I don't, I think if you stay at it, you can't help but become in a way more spiritually aligned and more spiritually awakened. I think it's just a byproduct. I think it certainly can be. You know, I think there are, there are probably many artists that would argue against that. Good, bring them on. Right. <laughs> but I think here, in terms of touching something deeper within us, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. We are sadly coming to the end of our time together for now. Uh Could you just leave us with some something that you'd like to share with everyone as well as where people can reach you? Oh, thank you, Nina. This was so much fun. What's something I want to share? It's our inalienable, inalienable right to express ourselves. And it doesn't have to be in painting or writing. It can be in building a business. It's our inalienable right mm. to express ourselves to the world. And the rewards of how it comes back to us, you can only know until you're there. The rewards, it's like giving is actually so beneficial to ourselves. That That's how that right plays itself out in my mind. Mm, so nice. I can be reached at christinacoggins.com and on the socials, the instas, the FBs. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be able to track you down. <laughs> yeah, christinacoggins.com. Great. There's free resources there, that meditation I was talking about, blogs and stuff written about my geek, my geek nature of creativity. I think people are enjoying them. Nina, thank you so much. You're very welcome. And thank you for being on the call. And for those of you who are listening or watching, go to Christina's site, 
Go look at what she has. She has so much to offer. And I thank you everyone for watching or listening and subscribe to my channel. You can see who's coming next. Thanks again. Take care.